Hello, you are listening to Practicing Gospel. I'm David Rayburn. If you're just tuning in, this is part two of a series that I'm having a conversation with, with Dr. Mark Mullinex, who is professor of religion at Mars Hill University in Mars Hill, North Carolina. We're talking about the fact that Christianity in the United States is experiencing a great deal of anxiety. In our last episode, Mark offered the suggestion that the reason for that anxiety has to do with our worldviews, that our worldviews give us a way of looking, uh, help us negotiate our day, uh, also give us a sense of normalcy, and even a sense of our future, what to expect, what to anticipate uh, in the days ahead. And then he offered the insight that we get anxious when our worldview is interrupted. Uh, that there are two kinds of interruptions, and that one of those interruptions is the unintentional interruption. In our case, in the United States, as Christians, we are experiencing the interruption of the fact that Christianity is no longer the dominant worldview, or is quickly becoming a minority worldview. Uh, But in response to that, uh, Mark suggested that in all religions, there is the intentional interruption that we can provide in counter to the unintentional interruption, uh, a means in which we step back through Sabbath, through meditation, through prayer, uh, in order to respond to what's going on with us. And so Mark has given us uh, some insights about how to provide that intentional interruption. Uh, It's an opportunity for us as Christians to provide a resilience uh, to the situation in which we're facing, uh, especially as progressive Christians, uh, gives us a chance to practice the gospel we believe in, practice the resurrection in which we live. So again, welcome, Mark. Thank you for being with me. Thank you. It's good to be back with you. All right. So you have 14 or 15 points that you think uh, provide an opportunity for a kind of training and resilience and a way of living out our faith uh, more fully in our gospel. Um, uh, yes, I am uh, not a church man per se. I have been a pastor for a short time in churches, and I am uh, in the uh, church council at uh, my congregation. But uh, bridging on our last conversation, you and me, we're about Many Christians, especially in progressive churches, are trying to anticipate an interruption coming in this uh, next election cycle. There's a lot of uh, uncertainty about this, and so we may be bracing ourselves for a a shock or uh, four more years of the same president. But uh, I'd like to take you back to introduce this. Remember November and December of 2016. The current president had just been elected and everybody's getting these daily, oh my goodness, and aha moments about what that means for the country. So you may remember where you were, uh, how you're feeling. Did you feel fear? Did you fear kind of, oh no, or what now? Uh, Maybe you're thinking, where's my community to get through this together? How do I share? Where do I share what I'm really feeling in in a way that will be heard by others and not ridiculed? And are there, am I alone? Are there other people in my area with the same kind of feelings? I would say that that's 
capsulize the, my experience and the experience of those uh, that I share, uh, particularly Sunday school class with at that First Baptist Church in Asheville. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. had a sense of bewilderment and bafflement uh, yeah. and didn't know how to express, uh, you know, what we were feeling. Yeah. So um, I'm going to quote, quote some scripture, which may be a, a first on your show. I'm not sure, but uh, I'm going to quote some scripture. And um, it's kind of a, a, a tone setting epigraph uh, for what I'd like to do. It's from the, the message interpretation or, or uh, translation of, uh, of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. And Jesus is talking. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, don't you think I'm going to hide? You don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. So that's my epigraph uh, to uh, several ways in which uh, churches or congregations or groups can position themselves in anticipation of this likely interruption in November. And, and therefore, we can build not only resilience in these days, but also capacity to bring uh, more energy and, um, and hope to these times. And that's, that's where, really why I'm here, is to help us bring capacity. So with your permission, I'd like to go through these. We're, we want to, I have several options. I'll go through them quickly. I believe that on your webpage for this, these will be summarized. And if there's any links there, they'll be uh, on that, uh, in that blog. Yes, yes, that's the way. Okay. So option number one is we are made for these times. And, and this comes directly from a quote by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. And that link is on uh, that you'll get this, uh, this link. But uh, in there, there's a couple of lines. Struggling souls catch light from other souls who are fully lit and willing to show it. So do not lose, lose heart. We were made for these times. When a great ship is in harbor and moored, it is safe. There could be no doubt. But that's not what great ships are built for. So I'd like just to pose that teaser of a poem to you uh, and said that we're made for these times. Option number two uh, is also a poem by Joy Hardjo, Call Your Spirit Back. It's kind of a remembering who we are, who we've been. And she writes, Call Your Spirit Back. It may be caught in corners and creases of shame, judgment, human abuse. You must call in a way that your spirit will want to return. Welcome your spirit back from its wandering. It may return in pieces and tatters. Gather them together. They'll be happy to be found after being lost for so long. Now you can have a party. Invite everyone you know who loves and supports you. Keep room for those who have no place else to go. Then you must do this. Help the next person find their way through the dark. So as you call your spirit back, I would say, then you can be a guide to others who might be lost or in the dark and needing somewhere to go. Option three is very simple. Uh, there's always a better story than the one dominating now. 
whatever the story is that coming that's coming out of Washington, whatever is percolating uh, in in Washington or wherever it is, the CDC, we also have a story. And what is that story that we get from our wisdom traditions, our friends? There's always a better story. We don't have to say and look at the news, say, oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. End of story. No, we are people of a story that's different. And let's remember that. Option four, we are not to hate, blame, or nurse disdain for enemies. Uh, I believe that hateful Christianity is an oxymoron. And when Christians get hateful, it, 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 it broad brushes all Christians. And so we uh, let's, let's remember that uh, we don't need to blame or to hate or to nurse disdain. It doesn't become us. Option number five, I get thrown from Wendell Berry's poem, The Mad Farmer's Liberation Front. And it has this line. Be joyful, though you have considered all the facts. In other words, do not let the deep joy that is already within you get overshadowed by anything else. Remember who you are. It's sort of like option number two. Remember, remember who you are and don't get shadowed, overshadowed by anything else. Option six. We're not alone. We don't have to figure out everything alone. There may be, there are angels unawares out there, people who could help us share the load. And whether we are looking for a congregation or whether we are a congregation maybe in search of other people that can help us, there are still other people out there. I do believe that. Option seven is probably not for everybody. It depends on your congregation's DNA. It is a faith-informed resistance which may be in the streets, maybe not, but I, I like to think of it as a faithful misfitting into our culture, where we are cultural misfits, where we are quick to understand what's going wrong because we don't fit in Tetris-like into the, the culture. Uh, instead, we approach culture with grace and forgiveness, and, and this is a kind of resistance too. It will look different for different congregations based on your history. I'm not necessarily talking about taking to the streets unless that's already a part of your DNA. But most congregations may need to discern their own ways to resist, their own particular uh, personalized ways of being misfits in the world today. Option number eight is let's reimagine what mercy is, what hope is. What does leading with grace and humility look like? What does that look like in public as well as in private? Why is mercy so much better than leading with judgment and criticism? Yes, we do need critiques. We do need critiques of culture and politics, but can we, yes, we can do it in non-criticizing ways. So have a, have a sense of reimagining what mercy looks like in these days in which Mercy is pretty much in short supply. Option nine. I live in Asheville, and uh, about 14, 15 years ago, there was a, a movement among uh, conservative Christians. Uh, to, to They were reacting about something, and they said with their bumper stickers, we still pray. So what if we resurrect that meme? Instead of saying we still pray, 
a church advertises itself by saying, we still believe. We still believe X and Y and Z. And this could be a church's or a congregation's perfect response to these times. And of course, who is it that they believe and what is it they believe in? But, but get to, to go public with what it is that they believe that will be a balm uh, to uh, trouble people in these times. And that's the whole message here. We need, I think, to reach those people that are, that are lonely and looking for hope. The option number 10, the angels, every time they came to earth, Jesus said so many times, be not afraid, fear not. And if that goes on your refrigerator or your mirror in your bathroom, as a, as a constant mantra, I think that is a, a good place to just be constantly reminded in these times. Be not afraid. Fear not. There's another story at work. Option 11 is kind of like the option 7, faith form resistance. But uh, it's, you know, what does a homeless Jewish refugee agitator executed by the state have to say today? Of course, Jesus would be the, the ultimate misfit. So what do we see Jesus actually living in the world today? How do we see him actually alive today? And what if we join him there? So what, what, does the, what does this homeless Jewish refugee agitator executed by the state still say today? If God is still speaking, then how is Jesus still articulating that? Option 12, um, insert your church name here. This could be a, an advertising campaign. Insert your church name. I'll just say Circle of Mercy, colon, faith over politics since 2001. And that is, we emphasize faith and instead of politics. And this could be the branding of a church in these times. Going quickly to 13, uh, build bridges, not walls. We have enough to separate us already. Can I get a witness? What if we churches learned the, the, that spiritual engineering so that we can build more bridges than walls? Both take engineering, but there's a special kind of wisdom that builds bridges. Option 14, right, and this would be an advertising campaign, I think. Radical acceptance has an Asheville or Waynesville or Washington, D.C. address. Radical acceptance has a local address, and this could be a PR campaign. I think that, uh, that the rationale here is that there's a prophet within us forever whispering that behind the scene lies the immeasurable unseen, which is something Frederick Douglass said in 1862. Now, you may need to bleep this one, but option 15 is, uh, well, I just, I won't bleep it, but turning crap, and you can imagine what I might be saying, but turning crap into fertilizer and loving enemies into friends. This is the church's work. We take the, the refuse of the world and turn it into a garden. And this is what early churches were known for before uh, the, the Roman state got a hold of us. This is what we're known for. We, have the, we are always known by the refugees, the homeless, the poor, the people who met, needed medical attention, that the church was the safe place to go. And the church would turn their despair into hope. And the churches, that's the church's job is to turn these things into, into good things. And I take this as a riff on Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 in uh, Clarence Jordan's Cotton Patch Version. 
Faith is the turning of dreams into deeds. And that could be a powerful, powerful motto of any church in these times. Option 16 is my last one, and that is, the, is this to, to bring up the, the wonderful good ghost of Rachel Held Evans, who died last year. And she said the church is to be sanctuary. Quote, imagine if every church became a place where everyone is safe, but no one is comfortable. Imagine if every church became a place where we told one another the truth. We might just create sanctuary. So the, think of the church as a, as a place, a holy place in unholy times where you provide truth, sanctuary, food, health, life, sustenance, all these things that no one's getting anywhere else. So my conclusion here is, and then I'll, I'll, I'll stop talking. Our conclusion here, we know that fear is contagious, but so are faith and hope and love. I think what you've provided us are some uh, very practical uh, ways of, of doing things or not just feel good concepts or ideas. I think they're very useful tools and resources. Um, and if you wouldn't mind, uh, maybe going back through and picking one or two points that um, and kind of flesh it out. Uh, talk about it as you see it uh, enacted at Circle of Mercy. Oh boy. Wow. Well, Circle of Mercy started out uh, with pretty much one of, the, one of the early discussions is how public will we go with our resistance? We've had several members who've gone to jail, who have uh, not paid their taxes and gotten in trouble. We've had lots of that misfitting, but more public resistance. And so we've had a wonderful conversation about how public do we go? Um, it's not for every congregation, of course, but uh, there are, are people who say, who do urge us into a kind of, uh, if you are a faithful person today, there's a, so much to resist in our world that is not loving, not of God, not healing. Uh, and so we've had that kind of a uh, conversation. And I think that a church uh, could easily have a longer conversation. Any church could have a longer conversation about who shall we be in these times? We're, are we just going to be like every other background Baptist church, uh, you know, fading into the, the, the faded wallpaper and not really, you know, showing ourselves? Or are we going to make public a witness of welcome, a public witness of, uh, of, of loving, of forgiving, of providing a space for everybody, including our enemies? So that's, that, is, that can be a powerful regenerative conversation that a church could have. And you talked uh, earlier, David, about churches dying. This could be the revitalizing conversation that a church could have. How do you imagine mercy happening today in this congregation? Well, uh, two so, examples kind of come to my yeah. mind. Um, and both of them, interestingly, related to uh, responding to the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. Um, in, his, in his book, um, World Making 101, I believe. Yes. David Lamont. Yes. David Lamont, yes. Tells the wonderful story uh, about how a group in Knoxville, Tennessee, um, went down to provide a, a caring uh, confrontation uh, to a, 
a parade and gathering of the of the clan. Yes, uh, which they, they dressed up as clowns, uh, and yes. as the clan chanted "White Power," uh, yeah. they they acted like as clowns. They couldn't quite understand what they were saying and thought they were saying "White Flower." And yeah. so then they yeah. got out flowers and white flowers and passed them around, yeah. and then and then say, "Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute! You're not talking about flowers, but 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 bread flour." And so they got out bags of bread flour and started tossing that around, and yeah. and then it provided a uh, a creative uh and not and not blaming uh you know judgmental uh way to to counter the experience yeah um, and then the other one uh michael hahn uh tells yes. the story of his uh, experience while he was teaching at wake forest that um there was uh, the, uh another clan uh, parade and gathering and that um yeah. uh, as the parade was going on uh, there were some young people that began to join the parade and, and, and some of their youth ministers were, were trying to, to grab hold of them and, 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 and no, don't do this. And, and it, it looked like it was going to get out of hand and, and become a, the, the kind of confrontation that, that uh, the Klan was kind of hoping for. And, and uh, a, a former uh, African-American civil rights leader was beside Michael and said, Michael, uh, join with me, help me sing. And they started singing, we shall overcome. Yeah. Uh, and, and as, as they started singing, others picked that up and they joined in behind the clan as they were marching and parading down the street, they joined yeah. in behind singing and kind of marched them out of town, uh, singing, we shall overcome. Yeah. Um, and so that was a, another creative way of providing a, uh, again, a caring response. Yeah. Uh, that, that doesn't that doesn't judge. It doesn't seek to uh, yeah. result in in hostility. Yeah, we we liberals can be just as bad as anybody else about disdaining others and uh, dismissing the rights and uh, the voices of others. And so, let me propose even a more radical way, if I could. And I've I've not done I've not done this, but uh, some of my friends have done this, and and that is while staying within your congregation, join in publicly another congregation and enter into their life and get to know people's names and birth dates and, and disease histories. And, and then, you know, all these uh, alleged differences kind of melt away when you join in because you, you realize you're part of a one human family. And that could be a, a way uh, of doing it. So I, a, a church might could partner with another church and say, yes, we don't have this all figured out, but hey, we could, with our respective histories and DNAs, maybe come to some common ground. And that would be newsworthy. So I, I, I think that's a good idea. I've, 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 in, in similar ways, I've heard a couple of my friends who uh, at one time were combative um and have kind of found themselves uh not wanting to do that anymore found themselves wanting to uh uh to approach the differences in more bridge building ways uh more caring ways and uh to not be uh us versus them and yes I, as you yeah. said liberals are as prone to as as, as anybody else is and yeah. uh it, it may be as simple as taking one's likely enemy out for a cup of coffee and say, hey, 
we may not agree, but let's at least uh, spend some time together and see what's important to us. I'm not trying to convince the other, but maybe just just listen to each other, which is a, a radical concept. This simply listening, as anybody who's been through clinical pastoral education knows, that simply listening is so empowering to the other person. Well, and it builds those relationships. Uh, yes. You know, when you hear each other's stories, yeah. uh, you you come closer. Okay. Uh, but but as we as we anticipate November, I'd I'd like to challenge us all to to do it differently this time and to anticipate with creativity, to understand that there's an interruption coming, and how can we be agile and build capacity for the future by our spiritual practices. So that's why I'm here to talk talking with you. Well, and, and I guess one of the one of the other points I'd like you to kind of elaborate on in your mind as you as you see it, which builds on what we've been talking about, is is option eight, uh, which talks about reimaging mercy. Yes, yeah. Uh, describe that for me as you see it. Well, um, you know, this reimagining. I mean, mercy got us here. Let's get this straight. Mercy got us here. Uh, whoever we are, whatever your story, it's it's a, it's probably got a lot of mercy in us, uh, in, in it. And so I could imagine that a congregation who has this kind of this conversation says, "Okay, we who have been the benefits of untold mercy and grace and love, uh, what if we radically uh, reintegrated that into our story, our daily, weekly story, so that we then become even more aware of grace around us, mercy around us? And, and what if we led with mercy so that, that everybody started leading with mercy instead of leading with judgment, leading with love instead of leading with criticism? And uh, that could be a, just a way in which you could actually change the nature, the culture of a congregation by saying, we will no longer judge or criticize. We will now lead with mercy, lead with grace, because we're all struggling to get through this. We all have our issues. We've all been wounded somewhere, somehow by someone. So how do we then build common bond with others as we uh, go through the summer into November and then beyond? Well, you have given us much to think about. And like I say, many good tools, good, good practical things that we can do uh, as we anticipate this and as we look forward to the future and and of course uh you know we're still in the midst of the coronavirus and not certain yes. how that is going to end up fully impacting us all and what that will mean for the future as well yeah. uh, but uh, i think all of these things apply to those contexts uh, so i'm grateful uh thank okay. you for being willing to share these mark well I'd invite you to list my email in the show notes for this podcast. If anybody wants to have a, an extended conversation for to, with me, I'd, I'd be very happy to do that. Uh, yes, I'll, I'll definitely do that. And also understand that you uh, you have a book coming out. Uh, this is a I do. Topic. So talk yeah, this is a radical that. change of topics. Yes. Yeah. Uh, last Thursday, April 1st, 2020, uh, I, turn in a manuscript to Fortress Press on uh, my translation 
uh, interpretation and, and commentary about the Tao Te Ching, which is uh, China's oldest wisdom tradition. And I have repackaged it for today's reader uh, who may have been jaded by the decline that you spoke of, the decline of the wisdom traditions today. And does a 2,500-year-old Chinese text have anything to say to us? And I found out, heck yeah, it really does. And so I've translated this. Fortress Press agrees with me. And um, in six or eight months, I hope the book will be out. Well, and your subtitle is Power for the Peaceful. Yeah, the Tao Te Ching, Power for the Peaceful. And I think yes. that uh, extends the conversation that we've been having today, uh, fits into the conversation. So yeah. when that comes out, maybe we can have a third conversation. Uh, I would love it. Thank you so much. So well, thank you, Mark. And uh, stay safe and well and blessings on all of your work. You have been yes. listening to Practicing Gospel. I'm David Rayburn. The music for this episode comes from a clip of a song called Father Let Your Kingdom Come that is on the Porter's Gate Worship Project Work Songs album and used by permission by the Porter's Gate Work Project. You can purchase the album and learn more about the Worship Project by going to the website theportersgate.com. This show has as its purpose enabling you to hear the voices of the Christian left and about the issues and concerns that are of interest to the Christian left. Practicing Gospel, Inc. is a nonprofit organization. If you like what you've heard, go to my website at practicing-gospel.blubrry.net to subscribe and hopefully to donate. Your participation will help me continue this effort. Thank you for listening. And for your support, blessings. May the words from my mouth speak your peace.